Who's heard of uh, unconscious bias? Well, um, Jonah was consciously biased. He hated those uh, Ninevans. But you'd, uh, you'd think you'd like them uh, because my enemy's enemy is my friend. And basically, the Ninevans had destroyed uh, Israel's neighbors uh, and enemies. The problem is that Jonah had seen what the Ninevans did to their enemies. They peeled them like bananas and put them on sticks. So when God asks Jonah, tells Jonah to go and tell the Ninevans that he's going to destroy them, Jonah runs away to sea. Uh, he, uh, 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 he's thrown off a, a, a boat in a storm. He's swallowed by a big fish, spewed up by the fish, only then to go and do what he was told to do in the first place and tell those Ninevans about their impending doom. Uh, and after he'd done that, he was feeling a little bit weary a bit tired and emotional. So he went to the outskirts of the city and uh, to see what God would do to the Ninevans. And also to pray. He prayed, It would be better for me to be dead than to be alive. I wish that I was dead. Have any of uh, you ever had a, a bit of a tantrum like that? I've uh, had quite a few tantrums like that. You can talk to Catherine about them afterwards, but I'm sure she's too loyal to uh, to tell you about them. Um, he wasn't the only prophet to um, uh, to have been miserable. Elijah, after he defeated the uh, the prophets of Baal, also ran away and sat under a tree, praying that he was dead. Um, but why was Jonah um, so miserable after he just saved an entire city? Um, the problem was that uh, the Ninevans were very dangerous and Jonah thought that it would be better for Israel if they were dead than saved. And then they wouldn't be a threat to uh, uh, the Israelites. But... Um, but when he told uh, the Ninevans uh, that God was going to destroy them, they were terrified. And, uh, and they repented and they stopped their evil ways and God doesn't destroy them. And, uh, uh, and Jonah went to the outskirts of the city, built his, uh, built his hut and said, this is exactly why I ran away to Tarshish in the first place. I knew this would happen. A Jonah, a, a God provides um, a, a vine for Jonah. There you go, Jonah. There's your vine. <laughs> Do you want to give it a hug? Because Jonah loved that vine. And Jonah becomes a bit fixated with this vine. And, and instead of considering the bigger picture... Of, uh, of what God's done, Jonah gets bogged down by the small things of life of that vine. Put Jonah down because he ran away from doing God's will. But 
when he was in that boat, he said to the, to the sailors, throw me overboard and it will calm the sea. Jonah wasn't a coward. He faced death. He just does, he just wasn't doing God's will in this subject. So what does this tell us about Jesus? Just as Jonah had felt down and depressed, Jesus also has a dark night of the soul when he's uh, betrayed and um, he's going to be crucified and even he prays, God, this isn't what I want, but if it's your will, so be it. Willingly laying down his life for the sake of us. It's the same prayer as Jonah's, but in reverse. Jonah wants to die because he's scared and he doesn't want to look stupid because he predicted that the Ninevans would be destroyed, but they weren't. And uh, uh, so, at best, uh, he looks foolish, and at worst, he looks like a false prophet, fake news, a liar. But Jesus wanted to die because he loves us, and because he knew what our lives would be if he didn't. It shows us that Jesus reaches out to those that are far away from him. Jonah saw the Ninevans as beyond hope. And even though Jonah disobeyed God, God doesn't give up on either him or the Ninevans. And I'd just like to end by telling you a story about God reaching out. Um, this time last year, um, I was celebrating my 30th birthday. Don't laugh. It wasn't my actual birthday. It's my spiritual birthday. And, uh, I'm, you know, when I was awoke in my soul. And uh, our family were in Spain. And um, we went to the beach for the day. Got a bit of a, a sea theme going in it with Jonah and the, and the sea. So we went for the beach for the day and I made... Um, a lovely picnic. I'd uh, bought a rotisserie chicken and I'd got some fantastic beef tomatoes and I'd got my cutting board and I'd made up the picnic and Catherine and the children were in the sea and I called them in and we had a great lunch. And then after lunch, it was my turn to go into the sea with the children. So I've got this huge... Um, uh, exercise ball, which I thought would be much better than a beach ball. And we went into the sea with that and played with that for a while, got bored of that and left it and generally had a swim around having a really good time. And I looked over to, um, to Joy and to Isaac and I thought, they're a bit far out. Uh, so I swam over to them and I said, oh, you two, can you touch the bottom? And they said, no. And I said, well, swim back in then until you can touch the bottom. And they said, we're trying, but we can't. So I grabbed them both and tried to swim in. And we just went further out. And I realized that we were in a riptide. And, um, and it, 
I do know about riptides and uh, that you're supposed to go with them until, the, uh, until it dissipates. But when you're a father and you've got two children, that's a bit of a, a gamble that I wasn't overly keen on taking. So I just said, just tread water here for a minute. And, uh, and whilst I was thinking, what we're we going to do? And, uh, and I, you know, I, I wasn't coming up with many ideas, so I looked to the, to the shore to see if I could get Catherine's attention. And she was already standing there, glaring at me. And, uh, I, and so I, I reached up my arm to wave for help. And just as I did that, two, um, two lifeguards were bombing past her towards us. And uh, they came in, and uh, they didn't speak any English, and my Spanish, me hablo poquito español. And, uh, and, and they grabbed Isaac and uh, Joy, and I was just about, and I can swim, I can, you know, I used to swim for the county, I know that I don't have that physique any longer, but back in the day, and I was just able to swim as hard as I could to get to where I could put my feet on the, uh, on the bottom and then walk in. And fortunately, some guys were there to drag me in the rest of the way and, uh, uh, and Isaac and Joy were saved. And that night, uh, as I was ruminating uh, over the day's events with a stiff drink, um, I felt very much God talking to me. And God said... Hilton, you know, um, oh, just uh, recapping on those uh, uh, those lifeguards. I knew where those lifeguards came from. Um, there, there was a, a hut uh, about 200 meters away, and so I worked out that from, for them to get from where they were to where we were, they must have known that we were in trouble before we knew we were in trouble. And so God said to me, Hilton, you know those lifeguards that they knew you were in trouble before you did? Well, that's like your life. I knew that you were in trouble, and I still know when you're in trouble before you do. And I've always saved you, and now I'm saving your children. And this is what, uh, this is what it is to be a uh, Christian. As I said... 30 years last year, but that doesn't mean that we're not continually saved. We're always saved, over and over and over. It keeps going. I'm still saved, and thank God that I'm saved. As it says in the communion prayer, when we were still far off, you met us in your son Jesus and brought us home. Hallelujah.